the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Do you ever feel like you just don't have what it takes? That's okay, though, because when it seems like it's too much for you, it's never too much for God. In fact, sometimes this is even part of His plan. If we could handle every difficult situation on our own, not only would we likely take the credit, but we would miss out on a very important lesson. When I'm weak, He is strong. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10, Paul says this, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. When the odds are stacked against you and you feel helpless, it doesn't mean that God's abandoned you. And actually, it's another opportunity to experience His resurrection power. So trust in His strength instead of your own. Watch Him work things out, even when you can't. A great man once said this. He said, The weaker we feel, the harder we lean. The harder we lean, the stronger we grow. For more, go to gracechurchva.org. And as always, live big. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the word overflow. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Welcome to Live Big with Derek Greer. We're glad you decided to join us today. Remember, you can get access to this message and a full library of teachings at gracechurchva.org. As we dive deep into the Word of God, we believe that it changes us and empowers us to think big, do big, and live big. This type of living will not only impact our lives, but will inevitably bless others. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live big. Let's get into today's message. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and he's about to do what he does. And suddenly, the saints have been praying. Somebody had been talking to God. You hear what I'm saying? Suddenly, a light shone around him, the worst of men, the most evil of men. One of the most crazed men of this time. I mean, you had to look at an emperor to find a man more crazed than Saul. But a light shines around him from heaven. How many of you are God? It wouldn't have been a light. It would have been lightning. (laughs) For God is full of grace and mercy. In Acts 22, we discover that actually this happened at noon. Imagine a light so bright that it even overpowers the desert sun at its highest and brightest. God can never create a rock too heavy for him to lift. And he can never create a light brighter than he himself shines. Everything that exists only captures a measure 
of God's goodness and his glory. And then Saul did what only Saul could do. He fell to the ground. But he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Now we know that the repetition of a name, when God repeats things, it's for the sake of emphasis. And they didn't have exclamation points in this period of history. There was none in Greek, none in Hebrew. So the way you, you make a word an exclamation or you put an exclamation point at the end of the word by saying it twice. So there was an intensity to this voice. I know a lot of people want to say it was a gentle and kind. So, so. No. God called his name. And God still knows how to call a name. And he says, Saul, Saul, why? Saul, why? Why, Saul? And some God looking at somebody, you know, you, you, why? Why? What's your problem, Saul? Are you persecuting me? Now, we could have a whole message on the fact that God takes touching his people personally. And you start touching those who belong to God. You've touched God himself because he didn't say, he, he didn't say, why are you messing with my people? He said, why are you persecuting me? But we're going to move on from that. But, but what he does, he kind of lays Paul on the couch. And, and God is just, just, just absolutely amazing. Again, I, I would have come with lightning and, and all types of stuff. There would have been a whirlwind. The ground would have opened up, swallowed him, and then flames would have just consumed him. But instead, God lays him on a psych, psychiatrist's couch. He says, well, Paul, what have I done to you? Why, Saul? So where's all this anger coming from? Saul, the problem's not with Christians. The problem lies somewhere deep down inside of you, Saul. That's really where the problem is. He says, Saul, Saul, why, why, Saul, why, 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 why? He asks him a question so Saul could locate himself even in his insanity, even in his crazed state. And God knows how to help us locate ourselves. Even when we're going crazy, even when we're doing stuff, we know we ought not do. You hear what I'm saying? Saul, why? Why are you persecuting me? What have I done to you, Paul? And Paul responds. Well, Saul responds. He says, Who are you, Lord? Now, this is the most important question you can ever ask God. Who is the Lord and what is he like? Again, where you and I would have swallowed this man up. God, even in his strength, and, and, and this is a powerful, I mean, you know, this, this is a powerful moment. And, and, and even in that moment, God is showing tenderness and, and he's willing to have a conversation with Paul. Because the Lord responds. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, oops, whom you are persecuting. Imagine waking up one morning. And all the criticism, all the anger you've had against Christian and against Christianity was really 
your anger and venom against God. So Saul and all his crazed days, just, I mean, this, this is Scarface. He's having a moment with God. But then watch. This statement chokes me up. This lets me know that Jesus is the same on this side of the cross as he was on the other side of the cross. This man is killing people, separating families, causing migrations from places. This guy is insane. But what has God said to him? He said, it is hard for you. Jesus was the one being oppressed. Jesus was the one being persecuted. Jesus and his people were the ones being abused. But Jesus' top concern was how it was affecting Saul. I would have been like, Saul, you know the pain you caused me? You know how you hurt those families? Saul, you know what you're doing? But Jesus looks at him and said, it's hard on you, ain't it? It's hard for you to kick Saul. And Saul, all this kicking is what's making you crazy. And you know it's not getting bad. In fact, it's starting to get worse. You used to just get mad at Christians. Now you mad at everybody else in your circle. And you know how things are. It's hard for you, Saul, to kick against the goads or the pricks, depending on the translation. And I shared this with you before, but a goad was a stick that farmers use to, to prod the ox when the ox didn't feel like moving and doing what he ought to do. And the deal was they, they poked the, the ox a little bit in the leg. And if you kick back against that prick, you, that, that animal would injure itself and, and quite severely. So what we see here is underneath all Saul's bravado, all Saul's anger was really a man fighting against his own conscience. God had spoken to his heart. Everything creation was yelling at him. Jesus is the Messiah. But sometimes we're angry with others because we're really mad at ourselves. And this was Saul. So he trembling and astonished. I know we got a lot of different folks nowadays, but if God never frightens you, if he never shocks you, if he never upsets you, if he never seems to rub you the wrong way, I'm not sure you really gotten to know him yet. Because this wasn't a gentle meeting. Saul is sitting, he's trembling in the presence of God. He's overwhelmed, shocked, he's trying... Oh my God, this is really happening. Oh my God, what have I done? And then Saul is about to ask the second most important question you can ask in your life. He said, Lord, what was the first question, by the way? Lord, who are you? But the second is, Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, when you really repent... It's like, Lord, what do I got to do to make this right? Father, how can I 
Fix this. And when these two questions are answered, every other question in life becomes irrelevant. Then the Lord said to him, really, you know, we know Saul couldn't fix this. Only God could fix this. But he said, listen, this is what I need to do. Arise and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now, this is important. Paul is no longer the shot caller. He was the one directing everybody, making Jesus has gotten in the seat. And Jesus did, did not come into your life to be told what to do. And I appreciate your plans and how, how, how you put them together and how you got some counsel together. And, and you know, you really work hard on your plan. But our God is a God of purpose. And as great as your plans are, his purpose will prevail. And what I've learned in life is until God opens that next door, praise him in the hallway. And, and what happened here is Jesus called himself Lord. And then he had to teach right out of the gate. The first lesson to Saul was, boy, you need to learn to wait on me. And, and sometimes God don't answer your prayer just the way you want it because he's trying to make a point. It's like, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear your plans. I, I hear all that. But last I check, I'm Lord. And, and actually, sometimes delay is God proving his lordship. Now, I'm going to stay here for just a second. I, I used to have a dog named Max, and he's gone on to, to be with, well, I don't know what, where Max is, Okay. <laughs> But with Max, I had young kids in the house. I couldn't have a crazy dog because, you know, that'd be dangerous. So I had to teach Max that if I told him to stay, he need to stay. And. What I would do is before I even feed him food, I'd say, sit. And, you know, the hunger impulse, food impulse is really strong in, in animals. And I put his food down and he'd have to sit there until I said release. Basically, I was establishing lordship. That's right. Come on. Say, dog, you are not the master of this house. Between the two of us, I'm the one in control. Okay. And what God has to train us is, yes, I have good things for you, a table in the presence of your enemies, but you need to be still and know that I'm God until I release it, until I release you, you be still, you stay where you are and remember yourself because God's a good, good father and a wise, wise God. Let's get back to the message here. All right. I'm taking up a lot of time this, this, this morning. Verse 9. And Paul was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. And as I said, when God moves in your life, it will not always be comfy. It will not always be cozy. I think God blinded Paul physically to illustrate his spiritual blindness. And this is so important. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. If God never gives you a revelation of your sin, you can never receive a revelation of his grace. 
I'll say this. Lots of folks walking away from the Lord. That just seems to be the new thing today. But most of the conversations I have with people that say they once served the Lord and they no longer do. is I ask them, have you ever really had a revelation of your sin? Your fallenness. And almost 100% of the time, no. If you don't know your sin, you'll never know your need of the Savior. And without recognizing your sin, you'll never repent. And those that make it, and I'll tell you something. If you come here because it's a little bit comfortable, if you come here because, you know, I kind of like the people in the place. But you never got a revelation of the fact that you are a sinner going to a devil's hell. That you are in need of a redeemer. That you have missed it from day one. You hear what I'm saying? If you don't have that revelation, you're not going to make it too long. Because you're going to opt out as soon as it gets tough. You're going to opt out as soon as it gets uncomfortable. Paul or Saul had a revelation. He's trembling. He's awed by, oh my God, I, I thought I was so right. He trembles before God and for this reason. He endured the way he endured. And I know this may sound old-fashioned, but if you don't have it, ask God, and he's a good God. God, give me a revelation of who I am without you. Give me a revelation of, 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 of really what you had to die for. And that's a prayer he will always answer. So he's three days and, and three nights with, 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 without uh, sight, but let's just skip to First Timothy one and fifteen. And now we're ready for the verse I needed you to leave here understanding today. Paul is speaking, and by the way, Saul becomes the man we know as Paul. It was this crazy man that wrote much of our New Testament. It was this maniacal individual. It was this demonized man that God set free to set you and I free. Watch what he says by unction of the Holy Spirit. He said, this is a faithful saying, uh, a phrase Paul only used five times in all of his, his letters. And, and he uses it to, to set up something that's super important. He didn't want us to miss He said, this is a a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, meaning folks are saying this, and I'm here to confirm it. I wish it wasn't so, but it is. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save what? Sinners. So if you never realized you were a sinner, I'm not sure you're saved. He came to save sinners. Jesus said it's the sick that need a physician. And again, Saul, who became Paul, was one of the sickest. And you think, I'm taking license here. Let's keep reading. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But watch this. Of whom I am chief. The people and scholars that don't really know Jesus yet, they might know some Greek and some Hebrew and read some some good commentaries. They think Paul had a self-esteem problem. Paul Paul didn't have a self-esteem problem. He was just honest about where he came from. You see, every saint has a past, but every sinner can have a future. 
But what I want you to see is how God worked Paul's past as horrible as it was for his good. And even in Saul's anger, bitterness, and evil, God had a purpose. Verse 16 explains, and we're almost there. However, for this reason, I, even I, a man as wretched and wicked as I, obtained mercy. God was working his purposes, even in his sin. Anyone in this room, anyone, oh, I'm so sorry, I kind of, looking at people in the room today, and those of you live streaming, I kind of missed you. But anybody have any skeletons in your closet? Anything in life you're just a little bit embarrassed about? Anything in your life you just wish folk wouldn't bring up? But what we see in the life of Saul here, there's no sin in our past greater than God's mercy. You cannot fall lower than God's arm can reach to pick you up. He said, for this reason, a person as bad as Saul, a person as bad as you, a person as bad as me, obtain mercy so that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering, watch this, as a pattern, as a pattern, as a pattern, as a model, as an illustration, as a template, as an example. Paul is an example to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. In other words, if God could take a man as wicked, as bad as Saul and turn him into one of the greatest men in history, what can't God do for you? If God could take someone as jealous as petty, as violent, as hateful, as self-righteous as Paul and turn him into one of the greatest examples of, of what God can do in a life. What's your problem? What's your background? What's in your past? What's the issue? What's the thing God can't do? For you, why did God have this man of all men write the Bible? Because he wanted to make a point to us. If he could use a man like that, none of us have any excuse. If God could use someone as demonized, as wicked, as evil, as backwards, as religious, as this man, why can't he use you but Paul when that light hit him he surrendered who are you Lord what you want me to do and right now God is saying surrender this message was a bright light and he wants you like Lord say who are you Lord what you want me to do this is your moment I don't know, and I don't know everyone viewing. I don't know everyone in this room, and I don't speak like this. But some of you, I don't know if you're going to have another chance. 
he just say, Lord, who are you? And what do you want me to do? The greatest prayer you can pray right now is, Lord, who are you? And what do you want me to do? And if you pray that prayer from your heart, and I know I'm, I'm talking to folks that don't know the Lord, but I'm talking to folks who do know the Lord. You know you've been wrong. You know you've done wrong. Lord, who are you? And what do you want me to do? Help me see you clear, but Lord. Help me know you better, Lord. Help me do everything you want me to do. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Rear. We pray that you were inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. We invite you to meet us online for vibrant worship and strong Bible teaching each Sunday and Wednesday on social media or gracechurchva.org. You can also tune in to the Live Big broadcast on television. So check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's all the time we have. But until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big. Despite our best intentions, we all get offended at times. It might be over small things like a parking space at church or, or big things like betrayal. In Luke 17, 1, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Jesus is saying you are kidding yourself if you think you could live your life without anyone ever upsetting you. Conflicts will come, but it's how we handle them that makes all the difference. Jesus goes on to say, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If someone wrongs you, do not pretend it did not happen. Have the courage to graciously and lovingly address it. I'm not talking about keeping score over every little misstep and mishap, but I am saying instead of just talking about the person, talk to the person. If they're willing to make healthy adjustments, let it go and move on. Conflicts are inevitable, but they not only reveal who others are, they also reveal who we really are. For more, go to gracechurchva.org and as always, live big.